0: Lord, indeed, what a powerful name it is. Your name, Jesus. Jesus, Lord, do we thank you as we stand in your presence this morning. Thank you that you are the living God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. We thank you, Lord, that you don't change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Help us to keep that perspective, Lord. Amen. Please be seated. And good morning. I'd like to talk a little bit about perspective and it's a sort of a talk and a pre at the same time. 1797, bit of history lesson now. England, England was in big trouble. The, uh, they were at war with most of Europe: it was France, Spain, Holland. Uh, a lot of a lot of big big problems going on. The uh, navy, which was their really their lifeblood because it was a trading nation, uh, was outnumbered by the fleets of the opposition by about two to one. There was civil unrest. There was rampant inflation. It was a fairly difficult time, and in the midst of all that. The Navy mutinied. It was the end of the world, 1897. It was only nine years after the First Fleet was here. But life goes on. Life goes on. St Augustine, some 1,300 years before that, says, the times are bad. The times are troublesome. This is what humans say. But we are our times. Let us live well and our times will be good, such as we are, such as our times. How true, isn't it? So the centuries pass, time passes, and things go on. I thought, you know, we've often said that um, uh, this too shall pass. I thought it was a scripture and I looked it up. In fact, it's not. It's a proverb from Persia. But it's true, isn't it? And this too shall pass. It's perspective. I love the uh, children's talk, the whole theme of uh, the few weeks now on on honesty. And uh, listen to this, Psalm 12. This is David writing. Help me, O Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbour. They flatter with their lips but harbour deception in their hearts. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue those who say but our tongues will prevail we will prevail by our own lips will defend us who is lord over us because the poor are plundered and the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I like that. May God arise. <laughs> I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked who freely strut about when what is vile is honoured by the human race. Does that sound a bit familiar to 2022? Interesting, isn't it? That was written 2,000 odd years ago. Perspective, perspective. Psalm 73, But surely God is good to Israel. That's us, isn't it? We're in those who are pure in heart. But as for me, and this is the thing, I don't know about you, but I get troubled from time to time. I read the news, I hear the stuff, and you get a bit down, and you get a bit, oh, God, what's happening? Are you still there? And that's okay. So David, and uh, this, this particular song was written by Asaph, who was a, uh, a, um, uh, a mu- he was a music leader, like Kathy. He was the, the choir leader, um, and he wrote, he wrote this song, um, it's just it's so interesting. It is, it's part of it's really a prayer. So sort of pray this. Surely good is God to those who pray in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their body is healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence from their callous hearts comes iniquity, and he goes on, and they scoff and malice, etc. And then he says, "Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure, and I've washed my hands in innocence all day long. I've been afflicted; every morning brings new punishments. But if I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood." their final destiny. And it goes on to say that the, the righteous God looks after and the evil will 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 perish. And it's perspective, isn't it? And we just need to remember that, that God is sovereign. And, and Sam's going to speak this morning about how Peter was rescued by God. He was trapped by the by the powers that be. I don't know pinch your sermon, but uh, Lord, uh, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> we can finish early, guys, if you want. So Peter, he... No. Lord, we pray. Lord, help us uh, to keep our perspective. And Lord, there are, there are troubled days. Lord, there are things that we find frightening. We find the speed of change frightening. Uh, we get uh, fierce, fearful sometimes, Lord, about what we see and what the things are. And, Lord, we're so manipulated, Lord, by the media and by words. But, oh, God, we have your word. We have the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today and forever. We have a book of history, Lord, of, of generations and generations which speak of your faithfulness. For Lord, that those that love you and follow you and are called by you, Lord, you have a plan. You will protect them. You will look after them. Lord, you are the sovereign God. And Lord, even on the journey of where some of us may fall by, fall by the wayside in, the, in that journey, but oh God, you will take us home. Lord, you have an eternity planned for us. And so, oh God, help us to trust you, the sovereign God. Lord, you are the unchanging God. Lord, as we look back through history, we see times of great anxiety and great, great troubles. But, our oh God, you are faithful. And, Lord, you are faithful to your children. Help us to be honest with ourselves about who you are. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Sam.
1: Good morning, church. <laughs> what a great morning we've had. Um, you know, sometimes I get up and I think you don't really need this message. Now we've had we've had plenty, haven't we? <laughs> Wasn't that kid Spot fantastic? Wasn't Trev sharing about life groups wonderful and inspiring? Wayne leading us and and Sue, you're the bit in between the songs about, you know, Jesus is awesome and he's amazing and wow. And perspective, you said as, what was it that Augustine said, as we are, our times will be. Man, as we are, our church will be. Isn't that a great example of that this morning? Everyone using their gifts, everyone stepping up, uh, sharing who they are, their, their love for Jesus together, and it's just been so, so wonderful to be part of this community. Uh, but we will have a message. Um, <laughs> we've been uh, heading through the book of Acts uh, as a teaching series. And I said to someone this week, you know, when I started, I wasn't really sure how long it would take. And it's, we've been journeying through it and, and people have been enjoying uh, this teaching series. We're going to do something out of the ordinary this week. We're going to skip a chapter. <gasps> what? <laughs> Last week we we're at uh, Acts chapter ten, uh, Peter and Cornelius. Uh, Acts chapter eleven really is a, a repetition of that story, uh, where Peter has to go and sort of defend what he did. He has to, has to sort of give an excuse that he was eating and drinking with Gentiles. How how crazy would that be uh, to the Jerusalem believers? But what's interesting to note is that you know when. When the apostles uh, were, were writing the New Testament, they had, they had parchment. They had only a certain amount of paper that they could use to write their accounts. And yet, Luke chooses to repeat this. And it's almost as if it's an explanation mark, because they didn't have <laughs> explanation marks back then. When you see a repetition in Scripture, uh, this is an important thing. That The gospel is going out as Jesus said it would. And it cannot be stopped. You cannot be stopped, right? Jesus said, "You'll be my witnesses, and the gospel is going to go out to all nations." And here, last week, Acts chapter ten, a a Gentile centurion, a God-fearing man, and his whole household is baptized with the Holy Spirit, just as the believers were at Pentecost. The 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 gospel is going forth, and it it is unstoppable. We're going to meet a man today who's going to try and put a stop to it but meets a a terrible end as many have tried to stop uh, the gospel going forward. And so he's repeating this thing and and in a similar way, Paul's conversion is another repetition in Acts. It's three times in the book of Acts. Luke's saying this is an important thing that that happened in the life of the church. Uh, So... um, It cannot be stopped. Just want to just quickly mention one thing that happens in Acts chapter 11, can't quite skip it, is that there there are two kind of main centres for Christianity. There's the Jerusalem church and now the Antioch church is being established, which is a Gentile church. It's, It's from all walks of life, all... Sort of skin color, culture, uh, working class, upper class, whatever they're joining together and it's interesting that it's at this church that the people are first called Christians. It wasn't in Jerusalem it was it was now this is this is actually God's plan Jesus's plan for his church is for all people. I'm going to reconcile all things to myself. And it's at this point that we have the 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 word Christian first announced in Antioch. But there's a famine that's um, talked about that's going to come and, and hit the land. And, of course, the Jerusalem church, if you remember in Acts, what did they do? They They sold their possessions. They sold their property and even some of their land. And so a famine is really going to hit those believers pretty hard. Uh, because they have no resources. And what we see happening is Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, coming from Antioch to bless the Jerusalem church. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It was not the Jerusalem church going out. Now an established daughter church is growing up to be strong enough to actually start ministering to and blessing uh, the original Jerusalem church. That's a, a beautiful picture. So that's Acts chapter 11, done. Now, now we're into Acts chapter 12. If you want to open your Bibles, if you've got them, we're going to be going through uh, verse by verse, as we have been doing uh, in this particular preaching series. And we're going to see something, uh, Mike mentioned it already, we're going to see a prison break. Now this is a common uh, thing in, the, in Acts, We've we've already had a prison break once uh, in Acts chapter five, and now now we've got it again. And later on in Acts chapter sixteen, in, in fact, you think some of the movies and 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 TV shows probably have been based on what we see happening in Acts to the point where I came across this this week, uh, where someone was doing their sermon on on Acts chapter twelve. I think that's trying to be the Apostle Paul. There, I'm not really sure, but. Um, we, we see, we're seeing a common story, which is God's miraculous activity in a situation where there was seemed helplessness. Great picture not only of what happened physically for the people, but I'm going to get onto this. This is, this is our spiritual story here as we uncover the story of Peter and his uh, miraculous escape. So Acts chapter twelve. It was about this time that King Herod. Now, this King Herod, you might come across King Herod a number of times in the Bible, and you think, "Hang on, didn't he pass away?" Um, Herod the Great was around when uh, Mary and Joseph had Jesus as a baby, and he wanted to slaughter all the the, the, the children. So that was that was Herod the Great. He had a son, uh, Herod, who was around at the time of Jesus, and and this is Herod. Uh, another Herod, who was the grandson of Herod the Great. So, But regardless of which Herod it is, whenever you see anyone from this family, they are always fighting God. They are always trying to put a stop to the activity of God. And here at the end of this uh, chapter, this Herod is going to see that you can't, put, can't get in the way of God and his plans. So this Herod, Herod He is now king and is actually part Jewish and he arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them and he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Now this is the first time we've had an apostle martyred. Uh, Before this we've had Stephen who was uh, a deacon but now we see uh, the first time an apostle is actually martyred for their faith. Now, we know that Jesus had, uh, he had disciples. He actually had more than 12 disciples who followed him. He he had a crowd. And then he had the 12 disciples that he called to ministry to follow him. But Jesus also had an inner circle. He had those who were closest to him. And Peter, James and John were his inner circle. And so James, one of his inner circle, uh, is put to the sword. He is Persecuted and he is martyred for the faith. And it's pretty interesting that do you remember James and John came to Jesus and said, uh, "When you bring about your kingdom, I want one. Can one of us sit on your right hand and one of you sit on our left hand?" And Jesus says, "Can you can you drink of the cup that I'm going to drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm going to have?" In other words, can you can you go through the suffering? that I'm going to go through. They yes, Lord, we can, <laughs> not realising the type of suffering that they were talking about, obviously. But it's interesting here that James is the first kind of on one side and John was the last of the apostles to pass away. In fact, he was the only one to die of natural causes. Um, so they're, they're, they, they bookmark, in a way, the, the, the fate of the apostles, so James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. And this Herod, when he saw that this met the approval of the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. Really interesting when you see people trying to gain political power. They, they see what's popular and they, they, they try and continue to do what's popular to, to please the crowd rather than doing what is good and right And this is such a contrast to what we see, particularly Peter saying, throughout Acts, is it better for me to please man or please God? Is it better for me to to listen to you, king and authorities, or listen and focus on what the Lord wants me to do? Here is a complete contrast. Here is a king who's trying to win the approval of people rather than the approval of God. And so he's, he's doing this, but... So he, he seizes Peter, but this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So we've got Passover again now happening at this time. Now, being half Jewish, he actually understands a bit of the Jewish law, and the Jewish law meant that it was actually illegal to have um, capital punishment during the time of Passover. And so he puts him in prison. And not only that, he doesn't just put him in prison. He just wants to make sure he stays there. But he, he might have heard heard the story of what happened previously where they put this guy, Peter, in prison and he just appears out in the marketplace preaching again when we told him not to. So maybe he's like, let's make sure this doesn't happen. Rather than just two guards, we're going to put 16 guards in charge of Peter to make sure he doesn't escape, right? So this is <laughs> this is happening. But it's happening during the time of Passover, and you might say, hang on a minute, wasn't Jesus pers- uh, killed at Passover? Yes, he was. And that was actually illegal in Jewish law for that to take place. Isn't that interesting? Which is probably why with ferocity, the disciples, when they, they preach in Acts, they say, and you guys put him to death, illegally. <laughs> rubbing it in the wounds, and they're probably like, oh, yeah, we, we did do that, didn't we? But it had to happen in order to fulfil God's plans for him to be the Passover lamb. So here's Peter in prison, and he's got four squads of soldiers, and after the Passover, is the intention is for Peter to be martyred in the same way that James is. That kind of gives us our, our context and so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God, to God for him. This is an amazing sentence in this chapter. Peter was kept in prison, but, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I think we can take this sentence and we can make this our own. And we can say, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm kept in the prison of my circumstances, but the church is earnestly praying for me. You might have uh, some circumstances happening in your life. I know there's some people who are potentially going to be homeless in our church <laughs> coming up, but the church is earnestly praying for them. There are some people with some health issues but the church is earnestly praying for them. There is some people going through some really difficult times and some struggles in family, but the church is earnestly praying for them. What a great picture. But it also highlights the fact that maybe they weren't praying for James. Doesn't say that. But James is martyred. Maybe there was this idea that, Oh, the apostles are invincible. You know, we are the ones that are called to make a difference in the world. To go go out and preach, and and you know, there's been power in Peter, and and John and James and and others. They've they've done miraculous things, and maybe there was this mindset of you know you can't touch us. And now James is martyred. It's like, ooh, hang on a minute. We need to pray. <laughs> we need to pray for Peter because Peter's fate was going to be the same as James's. After Passover, it was going to happen. So um, he's there, and the church prays for him. Last week, I talked about the fact that often the activity of God is birthed in prayer. Peter was on on. They're praying when the the, the vision came to him of the the sheet coming down from heaven. Cornelius was in prayer when the angel came to him. All through Acts, it's the time of prayer when the activity of God comes to miraculously heal. And here the church is praying and they're praying all through the night. They're not just, oh, Lord, pray that you do something about that. Because when Peter comes and knocks on the door, they're still in prayer. They're still praying for him. So the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, again, drama in Acts, it's last minute. Paul was almost to Damascus when the light hits him. The night before this happens, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And the sentries stood guard at the entrance, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Peter was sleeping. Now, if you're about to be martyred the day after, who here's sleeping? <laughs> or who's up biting the nails and, and worrying? Well, here we have a... A picture of now we know that Peter, Peter likes to sleep. I don't know if you notice this in scripture. There's a couple of times, Mount of Transfiguration, there's Elijah and, and Jesus is being transfigured, and where's Peter? He's sleeping. Uh, you know, Garden of Gethsemane, stay with me here, and a moment later he's sleeping. So Peter likes to sleep. I don't think that's the reason why he's sleeping in this situation. I think it's actually one of two things. He knows that his salvation is secure in Christ. And he knows that God is sovereign. And that he is surrendering his life and his will to the Father. And whatever will be, will be. That's that perspective. And he has peace in his heart. Whatever will be, if this is the Lord's will for my life as it was for James, then I'll get to be with Jesus Tomorrow, And that's a wonderful thing. So it's either that perspective or perhaps he remembers that this has happened before and he was miraculously uh, delivered from prison. Or perhaps he even remembers Jesus' own words to him when Jesus says to him, to Peter, about the way that he's going to die. At the end of John's Gospel when he appears and he reinstates Peter, do you love me? Yes, do you love me? Do you love me? Straight after that, Jesus says to him, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the type of death by which Peter would glorify God. And we know that Peter and Paul were martyred in Rome under Emperor Nero. If you thought King Herod was bad, man, Nero was a a bad dude and went after the Christians and persecuted them really badly. But legend says that Peter was crucified and upside down uh, because he didn't want to have the same crucifixion as as Jesus. But it says here when you're old, notice that? Just maybe Peter thought, well, I'm not old yet, so I'm not going to die yet. And I don't know how, but God's going to miraculously do something here. And I'm at peace with that. I have no power or effort to be able to release myself. I've got 16 men around me. God's going to have to do something here. And maybe he's secure and sleeping and safe in the thought of that to the point where when the angel came, he <laughs> yeah, wasn't just like sleeping. He was sleeping. to <laughs> so the angel had to poke him and wake him up. Get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. And then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea it was an angel, what the angel was doing at first. And he thought he was seeing a vision. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. When I read that for the first time, I was, I was reminded of Ephesians 6 where Paul says, you know, our battle isn't flesh and blood, but it's, it's, it's in the heavenly realms. I wonder here if we see a picture of Peter actually like being in the heavenly realms and seeing the battle being won for him that isn't in flesh and blood with the earthly eyes. But here Peter's actually... Seeing the spiritual realm and seeing the angel working on his behalf and, and fighting his battles for him in ways that he couldn't see and understand. He thought he was seeing a vision. And they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city and it opened by itself. Now that's no mean feat. <laughs> the iron gate was an iron gate and it was not moving even with men pushing it. But it opened by itself. The door was open and suddenly went through it. And when they had walked to the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. What an amazing story of of God's miraculous work and activity in Peter's life to to rescue him and, and redeem him uh, and to open the door to to freedom. And whilst Luke is talking about a physical and like he's being historical here, he's relaying events. This happened. Yet we can see here, can't we, the illustration and the metaphor, the picture of spiritual salvation, that Peter was fast bound in chains and unable to save himself. Like you and I, the power of sin and death, and and no one has the, the strength of themselves to do anything about it. And we need God's activity in our lives to come and remove those chains and to open the doors for us to walk out into freedom. Um, last week I, I shared about my, my growing up and how I had meat and three veggies as my, my, my meals. I had, I had two older brothers. I was the youngest of three brothers. And there we are. Yes, thank you. I was, I was waiting for an ah. That's me uh, down the bottom, I'm the youngest of, of three brothers. And yes, my mum liked to make us the same outfits. It even, it even went through to knitting there where we all had our, our knitted jumpers. Um, so I had two older brothers. There's one more, why not, while we're at it. There we go. Now, my oldest brother, Daniel, was very different from my other brother, David, and I was kind of a blend of the both. My older brother, Daniel, was incredibly creative. He was musical. Uh, he was into oil painting and he still oil paints now. Uh, so very creative and and musical. And my other brother, David was incredibly sporty. Uh, it was everything physical for him. And so I had a great life because whenever I wanted to make something or do some music, I just hung out with my older brother. And whenever I wanted to play cricket in the backyard, I hung out with, with David. Uh, and this was... Uh, this was uh, highlighted. We had a, a, trophy, a trophy cabinet in our hallway. And it was a glass cabinet, and my dad was very proud that he would he would display our mine and David's sporting uh, trophies. And all down one side was all of mine. You know, the best on field. You know, highest amount of goals scored in a season. Like the best of the best. Yet yeah, there we are, all my trophies. And on the other side was all David's trophies like all gold and right in the middle was Dan's one trophy which was a participation in badminton school thing. <laughs> right completely completely different personality types but but David and I were competitive and we were very sporty and I remember one time there was a church event and we had a ping pong tournament and my brother and I were going at it and and he was beating me and this was really getting at me because I wanted to beat him. And so I tried harder and harder and harder. And and my brother David kind of in a, in a funny way was, you know, just behind his back and still beating me. Like he was paying me out that I couldn't beat him. And, and this was enraging me like nothing else had ever enraged me before because I am good and I'm going to beat you. And so I tried harder and harder and he started laughing at me. And my friend was was watching this and he started laughing as well. He thought it was hilarious to the point that I was so enraged that I put down the bat and I started to chase him because I was going to take him down and I was going to take him out because he was just paying me out. And we started running around the table and he was like, you can't catch me. And he was rubbing it in even more and teasing me even more, which got me even more enraged to the point where I I was out for blood. And I remember very specifically this this situation where he finally let me catch him, but then he didn't let me take him out, but he pinned me down and he sat on top of me and he had both of my arms up with one arm and then with the other one, he just started tickling me. (laughs) Have you ever had an older brother or sister do that? (laughs) And of course, in the state that I was in, this was horrible, like, I just didn't want my brother to be around anymore. But he thought it was hilarious. But I was there completely pinned down. And even though I had the best on ground and most goals scored and I was sporty and I was strong, I was not strong enough to get him off of me. There was no power in myself to free me from that situation. And it's the same with Peter. You might say, "Well, well, Peter—he raised people from the dead. He let cripple men walk. Surely, he had power within him. He had no power to spiritually free himself within him, himself." And you might think, "Well, hang on, Peter—he's the—he's the best. He's, he's, you know, he's—he's he's right up there. Surely, if there's anyone who's able to do something miraculous for themselves, it's Peter. But even Peter." No position as being the apostle of apostles. No physical strength, not being good enough. We see that in our world, don't we? As long as you're good enough, as long as you're better than you are bad, that's enough to save you. But here we have a picture of the gospel that you and I, like me being pinned down by my brother, Are unable to do anything in our own strength, in our own ability, no wealth, no position, no power, nothing can ever take us out of being pinned down. We need an outside source to come, to free us, to release those shackles, and to lead us into the freedom and into the open door that He has for us. You know, Charles Wesley. When he talks about his conversion, he talks about a very similar story to what we see here in Acts 12. Uh, <clears throat> he, he likened his conversion to being in a dungeon. And when he came to Christ, he was, he was freed. He actually wrote about it in my favourite hymn, And Can It Be. As you read these, see if this lines up with any story that we've been talking about in Acts <laughs> I'll give you a clue. It's today's story. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, but my, not just physically, but my spirit was bound by the power of sin and death. And it was imprisoned. It was shackled down, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. And my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed Thee. My chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed Thee. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful picture of salvation, of the gospel message? And it's a picture here of what is happening for Peter. So whatever circumstance you find yourself in today, you might feel chained down, pinned down, fast bound by some sort of circumstance, whether that be a spiritual circumstance, a physical circumstance, an emotional circumstance, a financial circumstance, uh, a family circumstance. There are things going on in each and every one of our lives. And we feel restricted and held down. There's nothing that we can do to do it. But in the power of prayer, as the people prayed for Peter, God acted and God worked to break those chains, to release Peter. And he breaks our chains and he releases us into the freedom and the life that he is calling us to. To the point where Peter is now free. He's out on the street. He's come to his senses. He's like, what just happened? Peter came to himself. Oh, Sort of snapped out of this vision. And he said, now without a doubt, I know that without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were going to happen. Now what I find interesting here is, Peter's potentially at a crossroad. Like no one knows that he's been released from prison. Not even the guards, we find out later on. So, so Peter could walk away, go sit under a palm tree somewhere and escape, escape the persecution that's coming. They're going to think that he got his head chopped off. But he doesn't. Now I've come to my senses. I know that there is a purpose for my life. You know, as God opened the door for Peter to walk into all that he's going to continue to do for Peter, he opens our doors for us to walk in the sovereign plan and will and purpose he has for our lives. And your door is going to be different from the door next to you, and your circumstance is going to be different. For James, it was that the time has ended. But for Peter, there was something more to do. There was more to be involved in. He's going to write his his 1st and 2nd Peter is going to write. He's going to now meet John Mark uh, who, and he's going to relay his preaching stories to Mark, who's going to write the Gospel of Mark. So there's more to do. There's more to walk in. There's more to, of purposes of God to walk in once he's been freed. And we see that in Peter. And then we This is dawned on him. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. Here we're introduced to Mark, who writes the Gospel of Mark, uh, where many people were gathered and they were praying, middle of the night, still praying for Peter. Of course, here we have comedy. Peter knocked on the outer entrance and the servant named Rhoda came and answered the door. And when she recognised Peter's voice, she was overjoyed and ran back without opening the door. (laughs) and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Now, what I love is the comedy of this because I can imagine it being passed down through the generations and then, oh, wait, then, oh let me tell you the joke bit of this story, the, the funny bit that, that happened. Here's Peter, miraculously doors open from, from out of prison and he can't even get into a prayer meeting. He can't open the door to the prayer meeting. Right? <laughs> and he's standing outside the door but what's crazy is that they say you're out of your mind. They're praying for this. And he's there and they're like, "Nah, that can't happen." Now, let that be an encouragement to you. <laughs> do you ever sometimes feel like you don't have the faith to see God do stuff? Man, here's the early church praying fervently for Peter's release. He's released and they're like, "That can't be true." <laughs> you're out of your mind. When, when she kept insisting, no, it's Peter at the door, they said, no, nah, it must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. Oh. <laughs> and Peter motioned with his hand for them to all be quiet and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. Now, this is not James that had just passed away. This is Jesus' half-brother, James. Uh, about this and and talk about a, a funny situation, <laughs> but they they finally realise that their prayers are answered. What I wanted to say in that is that you know sometimes we don't feel like we don't have the faith to see the miraculous, but these people had the faith to pray for it, and it was only and God only needed the faith for them to pray for Him to act and for Him to do the miraculous that 's what we see here in this story, so whatever thing that you 're coming up to in your life that might seem insurmountable or, or too big man i can 't pray for that or as if God could do that, pray, ask for God for the faith to begin to pray for it and see the activity of God being birthed in prayer and so in the morning there 's this commotion he 's escaped again. And after Herod had done a thorough search, he cross-examined the guards and he ordered them to be executed. Now, this here is a great proof, I think, of the importance of being a guard and and, and the strength in which you did that job. So when Jesus was guarded at the tomb, you know we can't say that those guards just made up a story because your life's on the line. <laughs> And here the guards' lives were on the line for guarding Peter and that they couldn't explain what had happened. And now quickly I just want to just contrast, Acts is a book of contrast, contrast the church praying for and, and trusting in the sovereignty of God to be worked out versus a king who wants to elevate himself and put himself first and not trust the sovereignty of God. King Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He went on a holiday. And he had been quarrelling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. And after securing the support of Blastus, our trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their supply of food. And on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and declared this public address and they shouted, this is the voice of God, not man. Now, we've had similar sentences before in Acts, haven't we, about God and man and trusting in God, not man. And now here's an example of someone who wants to be God when he was just a man and elevating himself in all of his splendour. But immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. It's pretty graphic. <laughs> but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. It cannot be stopped. You can try and get in the way of God's sovereign plan and purposes in the world, even as a king, even with all your splendour, but you can't stop God's truth Going forward, here is a contrast of of a group of people who prayed and sought and trusted in God versus someone who saw all that, saw the evidence, heard the story, it was right in front of him, and yet he chose to reject it. And what is the spiritual end of those who reject the gospel death and just as peter's miraculous escape from prison is a spiritual picture of our release and our salvation and and that this is a spiritual picture of those who unfortunately with all the evidence with it right there in front of their face have a spiritual death I'm going to invite the team up. I love this this story in the book of Acts because it really describes every single one of our story. One of the questions that I keep posing is as you read the narrative of Luke's Acts, as you put yourself in that picture, imagine yourself being there, well, we can all imagine ourselves being here because we all have been. And we continue to be in many situations in our, our ongoing journey. You know, Peter and the apostles and, and the church were saved, yet there were times where they came up against stuff. There were circumstances in their lives where they, even though they were spiritually saved, they still needed the activity of God to be at work in their lives. And that's like you and me. You may have called on the name of the Lord. You may be saved. You may have your trust in him and be like Peter and be able to sleep in peace knowing that your home is with him. Yet as we go through our life, there is pain, there is trauma. There are things that are holding us down like we're in a prison and he hasn't... He hasn't won the victory in order for us to be there. He's won the victory in order for us to pray, ask for him to move, and for our shackles to be broken, and for us to walk in the light and to see that he's going to open doors for us to enable us to walk into the purposes that he has for us right now and in the years to come. And you might be looking back at times in your life, man, remember when God just opened that door? What was all that about? Peter got to the street and he's looking back at these open door and he's like, what's all that about? Oh, I know that there's something for me to be involved in. There's something for you to be involved in. As he calls you to walk in those purposes for your life. Let's stand together. I just want to pray and then we're going to sing a song that I think is perfect for this morning. But as I pray, I just, maybe there's a circumstance, maybe there's a battle that you're in right now. Is there a situation that you're feeling pinned down like I was with my brother? And you're mustering all your strength and all your might but it's doing nothing. It's having no effort against this thing. We pray for you now, just like those disciples were praying and the activity of God came. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that there is power in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you beat sin and death by being raised from the dead. And that as we have our hope and our trust in you, we, we know that that salvation is true and, and secure and nothing can take that away. Yet, Lord, in this life, we're, we come up with against so much, whether that be persecution, whether that be family difficulties, separations, whether that be financial difficulty, whether that be an just feeling unsettled with the future that we have in our vocation there's health issues, there's very practical issues of where do I live tomorrow and there's no power in ourselves. there's no amount of wealth or position that we can call on to make any dent on this shackle that holds us down and so Lord we pray right now for your spirit to be breaking chains. For you to be releasing people in the name of Jesus. That they would be walking with you in the light. That they would be seeing doors open that seem impossible to open. Iron doors to the city just f- opening. That there would be iron doors to their lives just opening up. As they have the faith to trust in you to begin to pray so Lord we pray for that right now and Lord as we sing we just pray that you continue to minister to us Lord that you would be doing a work in our lives we pray in Jesus name Amen Amen. I invite you to sing this amazing song amazing grace my chains are gone let's sing it as a declaration of truth as, as a amen to what we believe in God wants to do in our lives let's sing
2: what a great song I really feel this has been a special time uh, together this morning I trust you've you've sensed that as well Um, it is amazing I think as we find ourselves in situations where where it's beyond our own strength and power and ability to actually uh, find a way forward or find a solution and that's where God does his best work and that's, I guess that's my prayer for all of us that as we find ourselves in those situations, we'll actually see God at work in miraculous and surprising ways. So, yeah, just leave you with that thought. Um, that's sort of it now for the, the formal part of the, the service today, but there's an opportunity to stick back and enjoy a cup of coffee and a chat. Uh, remember tonight back here, 7.30. Um, also, yeah, if you just, feel a passion to help out with the youth group with the progressive dinner as a host please touch base with sam if you want to help out with the pancakes next week as well please do that alpha a lot of things going on uh yeah just encourage you uh, as you're a part of this wonderful family and yeah just just pray that you'll know the lord close by you today as you you walk through this week thanks everyone